Scripture lesson for this morning is Psalm 100. Listen now for God's word to you. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into God's presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is He that made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to God. Bless God's name. For the Lord is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. And God's faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this morning, we're going to do something a little different. You might have noticed the table and you're wondering what it's for. I promise there's a reason it's in here. Um, So we've been reflecting on Greenfield's living legacy over the last few weeks as we've been in our stewardship month. And remember, legacy is just simply impact. I've called it a living legacy because it's an ongoing impact. And so I have invited a few folks to join us on a panel to answer a few questions to talk about what they have experienced here at Greenfield. Uh, Sarah Pinch was supposed to be here, but they have COVID. Um, So I know they would appreciate your uh, prayers. Uh, But for now, we have Felicia Wallace and John Youngerman ready to share with us. So if you all want to come forward. I know John Youngerman loves to have the microphone. (laughs) So I will ask a couple of questions, or a few questions, and they're going to answer them. Um, Talk a little bit about their time here at Greenfield. So first, let's start with introducing ourselves, um, your name, how long you've been at Greenfield, and really what brought you here uh, to this congregation. My name is Felicia Wallace, and we have been here at Greenfield in the first service, I said two years, but more like two and a half-ish years, coming up on three years. And what brought us here to Greenfield was actually Diane in a directly indirect way. Both of my daughters are Girl Scouts, and during the pandemic, when schools shut down and we were kind of just all stuck home together. Um, A scout mom friend of mine shared with me that her daughter was taking piano lessons with Diane and that it was kind of a nice, it was a nice, (laughs) it was a nice way to get out of the house and that she did piano lessons here in the sanctuary. And we're from Berkeley, but I had never even known that this church was here. So I asked her for Diane's number and, um, the girls and I, the girls start taking piano lessons with Diane. So we were here through the pandemic when the church was closed. And my daughter started asking if we could come to this church because they had never really been to church. And I'll explain that more a bit later. Um, and so they kept asking, can we come to this church? Can we come to this church? Miss Diane says they're going to be opening soon <laughs> and they're going to start doing in person. And I had had many negative experiences personally with church. And I was nervous about what my children would be indoctrinated to. And so I kind of was putting them off, um, but they insisted. So I told them that we would come one time. I said, we'll go one time. So we did, we came one time. And after the first time we came, my daughters were saying, 
we love our church. <laughs> our church is awesome. You know, we can't wait to come back. And so that was how our journey here started was with piano lessons with Diane and us coming. in their history at Greenfield. I'm going to come one time, <laughs> and now you're back week after week after week, right? Yeah. My name is John Youngerman. I have been coming to Greenfield since the summer of 1992, which is a little over 31 years. And um, the reason I came here was because it was close to my house. That's my only excuse. In the uh, fall of 91, going into early 92, I was arrested for drunk driving. And I had been drinking pretty heavily for about 15 years. And I was, um, I wouldn't say at that particular point in time I was confirmed I was an alcoholic, but I certainly had a drinking problem. I was um, traveling down uh, Telegraph Road at 2.30 in the morning when I got arrested. And I got out of the car and I walked back to the cop and I said, you may as well put me in the back seat because I'm going to jail. Because I knew I was drunk and I knew he was going to know. So as I'm standing in the middle of Telegraph Road, he does a uh, uh, sobriety test on me. And I, was, I couldn't walk a straight line. And I, this is the part that, that hit me the hardest was I couldn't recite my ABCs. And I didn't realize the impact of that until a few years later when I met Nancy and we became involved and she was a first grade school teacher and you know what? There's not a kid in her class who can't do their ABCs. So I realized, fortunately I realized before that that maybe I had a little problem. So the, one of the tenets of, of Alcoholics Anonymous is, and my sponsor taught me this, is, is you got to get your, your emotional life in order and you got to get your financial life in order and your personal life and your physical life and your mental life. And he said, and the last one is you have to get your spiritual life in order. And that was the one I wanted to avoid. I hadn't been to church since I was 10 years old. I became a, I was going to the Methodist church in Royal Oak and I got confirmed when I was 10 and that was it. I never went back. My parents didn't go to church. No, nobody in my family went to church. We just stopped going. So in good alcoholic mentality, I thought, well, if I'm going to church, it's going to be close because I'm not going to work very hard at this. I was living in Berkeley three blocks from here. Figured it's close enough. I'd go to Kalamazoo for a drink, but I'm not going to go that far for church. So I came in, and, and I was met... Um, you talk about the people that, that influence you or, or that the greeting, the first greeting. It's fun to talk, listen to Felicia talk about this because it's like, I kind of remember that. I, do, I distinctly remember who it was. It was Jerry and Gloria Church, and they were um, zealous. They were, they, were, they, were, they were Greenfield Presbyterians to the heart, and, and it, I, I had no choice. I had to keep coming back. So um, that's, that's what brought me to Greenfield, and people like Jerry and, Jerry and Gloria Church are, are why I keep coming back, why I stayed with Greenfield, and why I'm still here today, because it's, um, it's, a, it's a family of, of um, trust. And for an alcoholic, trust is a huge thing, because we, gave all, we give all that up. We drink, we, we drive our car drunk, we have no idea how we got home, 
we don't know if we ever killed anybody on the road. I have I can't tell you for certain there are some nights I came home. I have no idea how I got from one point to the other. So somebody, you can call it God, you can call it a higher power, you can call it whatever you like, something was intervening in that, that I wasn't dead and neither were a whole bunch of other people that could have been from my what I did. And the, the abuse of relationships and the, the trust, it, it, stealing money from the, the I worked in, a, I was treasurer for a theater group, I stole their money. And those, those are the, and, and, and if you can overcome that, and there's actually somebody out there that, that still trusts me, it's priceless. That's why I'm here. I think a lot of us know uh, part of John's story, but I thank you for your candor and your willingness to be that open and vulnerable. Um, next question is, how have you experienced God's presence at Greenfield? So first I'll tell you, first I'll tell you how I haven't experienced God's presence and, and how it's been different here. Um, when I was in elementary school, we went to a pretty strict conservative Baptist church and there were a lot of things like as I got a little bit older, like later elementary school that didn't really sit right with me about what the pastor was saying, like how the pastor talked about gay people, how the pastor talked about just a lot of different groups that, that weren't us. And I would talk to my mom about it and I would say to her, but that, that doesn't feel right to me. Like that doesn't make sense to me that he's saying these things. And my mother had a hard time explaining to me how it made sense <laughs> and, and why it was right what we were raised in. So when I got to the age where I didn't have to go to church anymore, I just stopped going to church. And I stopped going to church for many, 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 many years. Um, I thought maybe I was Buddhist um, because I just could not wrap my mind around Jesus. Like on and in the church I grew up on, like to say that you weren't sure if you believe that Jesus was real was like, lightning might as well come and smite you right then. <laughs> and so even, you know, saying that to myself, like, oh, I don't know about Jesus. And I just kind of like look to the sky <laughs> to see whether something going to happen. Is a lightning bolt going to come and get me? So I did. I, I, you know, I started going to a Buddhist temple um, and I went to a Buddhist temple for, uh, for several years. And then we had our children. And when my oldest daughter um, was in elementary school, I, I was her Girl Scout leader and she and one of the other girls were talking about church. And my daughter said to me, huh, well, we're not, we're not church people. God isn't really our thing in my family. And it was like a punch to me in the stomach because that was what I was conveying to my children. Like, even though it wasn't what I was saying, I was conveying to them that we weren't church people, that God wasn't our thing. And I don't know, the, the young Baptist girl in me was like, oh, no, <laughs> this, this, this is not going to lead to good things. I, I got I to gotta do something about this. So I, I actually did start looking for churches, but I didn't take my children with me because I am very protective of what they hear. And I had, like I said, had lots of experiences where what I was hearing just didn't sit right with me. So I, I went to 
to many different churches to try to find a place. And what I didn't share in the first sermon was I just kind of gave up again. Like right before COVID, I gave up again because I would go places and people would shame me because my husband wasn't with me. Um, You know, he supports us being here, but he just isn't in that part of his journey yet where he wants to come to church. And so I would go to places and they would make me feel like a sinner because, well, where are your children? Where are your husband? You know, what are you doing here? And I just felt very shameful. So I said a prayer to God and I said, well, Lord, I, I am not going back to another church. (laughs) And if you want me to go to church and if you want you to be a part of my children's lives, then I, I'm going to kind of need you to find me a church because I'm not really having any luck. And then everything kind of happened with COVID and Diane. And next thing you know, this was our church. And one of the things that we have found here is just like, it feels like home. It feels like love. Like this place really is like a unicorn, (laughs) you know, like a magical place that honestly I didn't know really existed. And I had really almost given up on. So I'm just so grateful that God brought us here and that Diane was talking in my children's ear, telling them that that church, you know, and that we came here and that this became our church from the first day, you know, that we came here. It's been our home. And the child will lead you. Well, in AA, we do something when we do open talks and we talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. So I kind of gave you a little bit of what it was like and about what happened. And the the more important part of this is what it's like now. In AA, we don't talk about religion. It's very important. They're very, very adamant about this. You don't talk about religion. You talk about spirituality, but there's a big difference because if you put it on religion, then you label it. Well, I, 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 is it Catholic? Is it Baptist? Is it Presbyterian? Is it? We don't do that. And and there are a lot of atheists and Alcoholics Anonymous, and there are a lot of agnostics and Alcoholics Anonymous, but they encourage you to assume a power greater than yourself to assist you in your program. Well, once I started coming to Greenfield, I figured out what the power that was greater than myself was, and that was God. If I was still alive and and if I could transcend all the things, all the sins that I did, I'm, I'm, Anders knows this, and a few other people do too, but one of my, and Bill Paulson will love this, because one of my least favorite parables is the prodigal son. And I, th- and I think the prodigal son is one of my least favorite parables because it hits very close to home, and I don't like it. I don't like the feel of it. But I have found out that this church, these people, there's a mission statement, and I can't recite the mission statement because I don't know it by heart. But there is at least one part about about the the inclusion of of all kinds of different of everybody. Do our best to make sure that everybody knows that they're welcome here. And and I can personally say that in 31 years, I've seen it time and time and time again. The people that walk through that door that that you, you they're they need they need something. 
they need they need somebody to help them. They need some intervention. They need something to tie it in. But what you don't realize, what I began to, what I've come to realize is that I get just as much out of what they're suffering from as they do. That getting it from us, that if we're here and we're we're bringing God to them, we're bringing understanding to them. It plays back to you. I, it, you don't. It's. It's like I say at the hotline. When I work the hotline in Ferndale, people call me up on the phone and they say, you know, they're, they're hurting and, they're, and they need sobriety. They need somewhere to go. And they need some help. And I sit and listen to this, and after 31 years of sobriety, believe it or not, I get just as much out of that conversation as they do. Because if you listen to them very carefully, all you can think to yourself is, I don't ever want to be where you are now again. And that keeps me sober every single week I do that. And it's the same thing here at Greenfield. There's, it's that back and forth with people that I don't. I, I I was struggling and I was hurting at one time, and I have a solution to that. I can help, and you coming to ask me for that allows me to do that. And that's a very important part of God intervening. So I don't have a higher power. I believe in God. Uh, tell us about the ways this congregation has been a blessing to you. The fellowship and community has been such a blessing to me. So when I, you know, two and a half years when your kids are still growing up is a long time, right? Like you can see the difference. So my older daughter was still in elementary school when we came here and now she's in seventh grade. Uh, my younger daughter is in fifth grade now and just so much changes during the, this time in their lives. And being the parent of a middle schooler, a middle school daughter, <laughs> is not easy. <laughs> and we have been through some journeys. You know, I, I sometimes I think, oh my gosh, like you were my baby. Like what is happening? <laughs> and you just don't know moment to moment, you know. One minute your kid is hugging on you, and the next minute you're trying to ruin their life. So <laughs> it's, it's like literally moment to moment. So this has been such a sisterhood for me, a community of moms. I um I went to a CE meeting, a Christian Ed meeting, and I was actually just going to the meeting. Like I wasn't really intending on being a member, and then I left the meeting being a member. <laughs> I wasn't raised Presbyterian, so I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, if you show up, if you show up, you're stuck. Um, <laughs> but in a good way, because um, it's been really, really nice sharing this motherhood journey with other women, with other people who are going through the same thing. And, you know, to be able to look to another mom and be like, man, I, I don't really, I don't really like my kid that much today. Like, <laughs> like, like we're, we're, you know, we're really, really struggling, and to be able to have like a non-judgmental community of people, or you know, my husband comes on the holidays, and you guys are accepting of him when he's here. Like, you don't make us feel awkward. Like, oh, where have you been the other, you know, <laughs> x amount of times? And it's just such a, just a welcoming loving, accepting place. And I'm so grateful for that. 
shared this before, but my, the clerk of session at my former congregation, he had this quote. He would say that in the, in the Catholic Church, when you get baptized, they give you a saint. But in the Presbyterian Church, when you get confirmed, they ask, what committee do you want to be on? <laughs> and Felicia got stuck in a good way. <laughs> well, <clears throat> as most of you know, because sometimes I have a microphone in my hand, and sometimes somebody else has a microphone in their hand. And one of the blessings of this church for me is I get run over by the bus about once a week. And it goes without, I mean, it, it, there's, there's, not any, there's not just any one person, it's everybody. <laughs> so um, when we go to, when, when we use, when we go to the, the, the um, the retreats, that's a, big, that's a big place for throwing younger men under the bus. And Elliot, who, Elliot Hilton used to be at this church, and he moved to Pennsylvania, I think. Elliot was so upset, he would go to the retreats and he'd say, why does everybody pick on you so much? And he'd want, he'd want to change that, that agenda. He was, he was not happy with that. He didn't think they should treat people that way, no matter how bad I was <laughs> or how much I deserved it. But so he shared this with Nancy one time, and Nancy said, please don't change anything. She said, John will quit going if they don't pick on him. I was born and raised in a family that picked on you because they loved you. Well, my attitude was, listen, you could just love me just a little bit less. <laughs> I wouldn't give it up for anything. That's what's really, I don't know. It makes you feel, well, it makes me feel at home. I mean, I feel like family because that, it's what my family did. And it, it was because they love me, and it is because you love me, I think, that that's why you guys, it's just, I mean, I'm smiling, smiling faces out there of, of the, most of the guilty parties, actually. <laughs> they all know who they are. You all know who you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was fortunate enough to, um, to be blessed that, um, to, with having married Nancy and, um, uh, it's hard. It's hard to do thirty-one years of blessings. I can't. I can't. I can't possibly touch all of them. It's like trying to thank people, but you can't possibly thank everybody because there's just and and the and the ones that are past now. The saints, all the saints. I mean, when you've been around a church for thirty-one years, and all these people that on on Saints Day, <laughs> it's like this parade. It's just this parade of people that that you've encountered and and how much they brought to your life and. How much difference that makes. Um, so that's my blessing. Blessings. Blessings. Right, two more questions uh, quickly. Uh, what is a uh, what is your one hope for the future of this congregation? My one of my hopes for the future of this congregation is just to grow, just to grow the congregation. Um, I sit here, from the first day that I came here, I was thinking to myself, I know that there are people that are like me that maybe think that there is no place for them, or maybe they feel like the God that they knew growing up in their home churches isn't really the God for them. And I think it would be such a wonderful thing for Greenfield, you know, we're like a secret that none of us are trying to keep. <laughs> <laughs> None of us are trying to keep the secret, but just to have more people come in a way that it feels genuine and authentic, in a way that 
isn't filled with, you know, performance and showmanship, but to have people that genuinely believe in the mission and the vision of this church and want to go with us, want to follow us while we follow him, right? While we follow Jesus home. And so that, that would be my, my one wish or one of my wishes for the congregation. Thank you, Felicia. That was great. I like the part about mission because I think that that's really what we do at Greenfield is what we really do is we go out and show our Christianity and we show our love for God. We go out into the community. We go as we have SOS and Crossroads and um, the, we used to do the crop walk and just and Ray does um, rebuilding and those are all things that go out and being in this church is like being with a parent, like being with a family because you don't realize if you're an uncle and a lot, a lot of you uncles or grandfathers will get this. You don't realize how much people are actually listening to what you're doing and saying until they play it back for you. Until all of a sudden they say the same thing that you said to them three years ago and you think to yourself, oh, you were listening. And I think that's what this church does in their mission is that we all go out and we, we, we lead by example. And that's what people get because they think, well, that's a pretty cool way to do this. We're not out proselytizing and we're not out... Um, evangelizing maybe we should a little more but it's all right i think i think that people get it that they just get that and i think that can help this church grow but we have to keep doing that we can't stop spreading it around in the community the welcome in and all, all the rest of the stuff we do so thank you all right so our last question is actually the question for the congregation as well so if you want to pull up that question for us sandy you can be thinking about this as these folks share this. What is a memory from your time at Greenfield that you will never forget? So John and Felicia, if you want to share yours, you all can be thinking about that as they answer this question. And that goes on your leave, by the way, that go into the offering plate when that comes by. So a memory from my time here at Greenfield that I'll never forget is the baptism of my daughters. My daughters are baptized here because they wanted to be. They asked me if they could be baptized. And so a bit earlier, remember, I said that my older daughter said that God wasn't our thing. And in our family, like we weren't a church family. So to go from my children sharing with other people that we weren't a church family and God wasn't our thing to them asking me if we could be baptized, if they could be baptized here was just such a full circle moment. And my husband was with us. So he and I stood in front of this congregation in front of your beautiful faces and shared our children with you. And it was just, it was beautiful. I have too many memories. For those, holy, oh God. I feel sorry for those other people out there who have a lot of memories and one little leaf. They got one little leaf to write it on. All right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm sharing too. I don't care what Anders says. <laughs> the because I have to do the first one, and that's the fact that my big, my favorite memory of all times of being at Greenfield is marrying my wife Nancy, because she told me that was my favorite memory of being at Greenfield. So as you go downstairs and see my wife, you make sure you tell her that I said that. That was my favorite memory. My other one is about Anders. Peter was with. The, Peter was here a long time, and I came in just shortly after he got here. 
And we used to do the 9 o'clock. When we started doing the 9 o'clock service, it was always a very special time because we'd get to sit in the back, and I always had about a half an hour of alone time with Peter Moore. And we'd sit and just discuss everything. And when 9 o'clock service rolled around and this new guy was here, I thought, well, we'll see how this goes. Well, the first thing he did was he took the only rocking chair that was still back there, and I thought, you're going to have to move. <laughs> but Anders, and Anders is freely admits this, he's, he's a little sarcastic, and a little. And he, he threw me under the bus, and I thought, oh, we're going to get along great. It's going to be wonderful. And it's, been, and it's turned out to be just that. So that's, a, that's kind of a favorite memory. It's a new favorite memory. So thank you. Round of applause.